Hello, Los Angeles arts community and beyond. I'm Carolina Sique, your host of the Artbreak podcast series. Thanks for joining us for this magical third episode. Today, I got to metaphorically sit down with Melissa Chalsma, director of ISC's upcoming production of Macbeth, and Kalyan Ung playing Lady Macbeth, to talk about the way witchcraft is used in the play and how their experiences in rehearsal manifest in the magical world Shakespeare created. So, Melissa, as director of the play, how much of Macbeth's fate do you think is influenced by his internal ambitions versus external factors, like the witches or Lady Macbeth? Certainly the action in Macbeth is driven by the choices that the character of Macbeth is making. And the question of why he makes the choices he makes, I think, is pretty central to any rehearsal process of this play. And it does range from the idea that the the witches kind of plant an idea in his brain and that takes root and grows and is then pushed along by his wife and her ambition. I think that what that sort of does is it diminishes the character of Macbeth to the point where he cannot stand as a protagonist of a play because once a character like that loses all agency, I think they cease to be so dramatically interesting. And I also think that uh, given that Macbeth is the character who has the majority of the soliloquies in the play, we are as an audience supposed to really engage with his internal dialogue about uh, where he's going in terms of the arc of the play. So that when we're listening to Macbeth discuss his feelings about the prophecy, we are as an audience, I think Shakespeare's intention is that we are perhaps rooting for him to make a certain set of decisions or perhaps we're empathizing with him and kind of wondering what we would do in the same circumstance. So I think that giving Macbeth the agency of the choice making is extremely important for the audience's eventual appreciation of the play. Traditionally written, the witches are never referred to as witches, but weird sisters. Do you see them as witches? And how do they function in the storytelling, particularly in this ISC production? Creating the witches is a really fun, but also sort of daunting experiment in any rehearsal process of this play I've found. I think this is the third or fourth time I've worked on it, and maybe even fifth. I'd have to think about how many times I've done this play now in, in various capacities. And I, it's, you know, in Shakespeare's time, the idea of witchcraft wasn't metaphorical and it wasn't sort of, you know, this kind of strange, perhaps quaint belief that we might think about it now. Now here we are in 2020 in the age of science. Um, so for many in Shakespeare's audience that the act of seeing actors portraying witches, casting spells, creating mag magic on stage would have been really quite terrifying. You have to remember that in at that time, people were routinely killed for being witches. So it was a, a really deeply held belief on, on part of his audience. I think that even then, there was beginning to be this sort of intimation of, of science and reason and we were seeing the beginning of a different kind of belief system but but the play definitely lives in a world where witches are real and magic is real and 
potentially quite dangerous. Now, here in 2020, it's you're trying to create witches that there's a couple different ways you can go, right? They can become a metaphor so that you're kind of using them as a metaphor for Macbeth's inner desires, let's say. That could certainly be a way that you choose to kind of frame them. We took uh, the slightly different path. We thought we would look at them really as people, and we really were trying to ground them in a physical reality. So we were thinking about, you know, what were the actual actions they were taking. We were exploring things like you know, uh, uh, scrubbing a floor or doing laundry or kind of thinking about maybe what were some kind of traditional women's work and could we kind of ground the witch's reality in, in, in that kind of framework. Uh, we explored, we were exploring different ways that they would actually do their magic that were quite physical, whether it was, uh, you know, scrying with some stones casting stones and reading the stones or palm reading and different ways that we could kind of make their magic quite tactile and quite physical as a way of sort of grounding them and having them really occur for an audience as real three-dimensional people Um, so we were really thinking about them physically so it's kind of interesting now to to be switching our rehearsal process to one that is digital or you know it's we really we we are not in the same room and exploring physically as an ensemble is obviously uh, very challenging in this kind of iteration of our rehearsal process so i think we're switching now almost to focus really intensely on the sound of what we're doing so i think as our weeks of rehearsal progress it'll be really interesting to think about and explore what how how the witches sound and I don't know the answer how that's going to come out yet but that's certainly something that we're able to work on now. Uh, Shakespeare has some indication in the play of how he wants them to look. They're certainly described as uh, you know you look like you should be women but you have beards and you know they're they're sort of the depiction is I think one of being quite sort of an crone um, character. We're not choosing to portray them that way. I think as it stands now, they, they exist as, as real three-dimensional women. Um, the last time Independent Shakespeare Company did this play, the witches were this very seductive force. They were quite beguiling, almost like sirens. Um, so that was another tactic that we took then. Um, and so now we're really thinking about them more just as these kind of three-dimensional, complex women and and seeing if we can kind of ground them as real characters and real people that happen to perform magic and cast spells and you know we're trying to get really specific about what each person's individual powers are you know it seems like some witches can kind of manifest you know manifest uh beings when the apparitions get conjured and some of the witches maybe are better at, at seeing the future and that kind of thing. So we're trying to really specifically kind of create three different unique individuals. How do you believe Shakespeare employs women and witchcraft in this play, particularly Lady Macbeth and the witches? Certainly a lot of dialogue in this play is uh, looking at the question of what it is to be a man that comes up many times in the play from different characters and I think that like with a lot of literature uh, historical literature 
the, the question is also posed of what it is to be a woman, but you have to find that in the negative space, meaning it's the unsaid question that is hand in hand with what it is to be a man. And certainly I think that idea of womanhood, uh, the kind of power of, of, you know, a female power is all very much made uh, manifest and three-dimensional in the play. Although interestingly, that Lady Macbeth, when she's contemplating committing this murder, the murder of Duncan, she, uh, her plea to the, to sort of the dark spirits is unsex me, take away my womanhood. Uh, and it goes even more and more in that speech, you know, come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall. You know, so she's, she's using this kind of, the imagery of removing all of the things that are sort of precious and sensitive and that that is somehow defining that she's a female and removing those things so that she's capable of committing murder. So I think that that's one aspect of womanhood that gets explored in this play. But then also certainly the witches are female and they're representative of this great kind of power and they they wield a power that is unseen and mysterious and I think that that's a sort of a theme you can find many places in literature this idea of that you know women are sort of unknowable and they they hold an unknowable power and I think that's kind of an interesting um, uh, a perspective or, or sort of image of, of womanhood in the play and then you also have the images of womanhood that have to do with nurturing and emotive qualities and the women who are able to be selfless and care for things more than themselves. And that's represented by Lady Macduff, who's killed. That's represented by uh, Macduff, in fact, when he finds out his children are murdered. Uh, he's being sort of castigated for crying and for, for feeling it and mourning. And he says, you know, I, I, that he, I, could, I could play the braggart with my tongue and woman with my eyes. And he talks about having to also feel it like a man. So that the idea that perhaps this idea of emoting and feeling could somehow also be a trait of being a man. And so I do think that that is a really strong, uh, I would say that theme might be the wrong word, but Shakespeare's definitely exploring that idea in his plays, uh, in this play in particular, I think. And um, I, I'm, of the, I'm of the belief that Shakespeare knew a lot of women who were pretty remarkable because he created such remarkable characters, such remarkable images of women. And he never thinks, you know, they're, they're never sort of props in his plays. The, the, the women that are, that are playing the major roles have just as much agency and just as much Im- impact on, their, on, on the kind of world of the play as the male characters do. And so in that sense, I, I think as a young actress in particular, I was really drawn to his plays because I could, I, you know, I sort of felt there was room in there for a sense of what it meant to be female and to be powerful. And this play is, Macbeth certainly uh, holds up some really strong images of female power. It's also interesting because we're doing this play with four women 
and one man. So we have women playing uh, the majority of the roles. Sam only plays Macbeth and the women play everything else. So it's also sort of an interesting thing, opportunity to make some of the characters that are typically male, make them female. But then also some of the characters you're kind of watching a female actress play a male character and then commenting on the idea of what it is to be male through their performance. So all of those things have been interesting and certainly coming up quite a bit during the rehearsal process. And for Kaleon, what is your experience with embodying the character Lady Macbeth, especially calling upon the magical forces required in the play? Where in the play and in her body do you feel Lady Macbeth's power manifests itself? Oh, calling magical forces as Lady Macbeth is truly frightening because I think to do it right, you have to imagine that the words and the images you are saying can actually be manifested. And when you're saying the monologue and saying this curse, it it literally jolts you as you speak it. There are so many quick shifts in the monologue that they force you to encounter the conjurations in this rhythm that feels otherworldly. Um, to me, it feels like shots or like possessions. Um, and I definitely feel the curse travel from the depths of the underworld through my spine and out of my fingertips. And I think what's crazy is that we don't really get to experience her character before this rapid chain of events. Um, that one could say she manifests in act one, scene five. So we first meet her in the scene. And in that one scene, we meet her with reading Macbeth's letter, telling her that he has now become the Thane of Cawdor and that the weird sisters have said that he will be king. And then when the news comes to her that the king will be arriving at the castle that very day, she begins the curse. And by the end of the curse, Macbeth is home, she has revealed her plan, and the act ends. But now is where I will speak about archetypes because they are important to me and because I think that they are a wonderful source of inspiration for acting. Because no matter what archetype you're playing with, king, queen, knight, fool, hero, there are so many. Um, there are both light parts and shadow parts for each one. And it's just another layer with dealing with um, character um, and helps with adding complexity. To me, Lady Macbeth is a woman who is in pure shadow, regardless of which archetype you choose to play with. And there are many you could choose from and they could change throughout, but yes, I, she lives in the shadows and I don't judge her for being in the shadow. <laughs> and there are dozens of reasons to logically justify her actions from many points of view, um, maybe historically or through a feminist lens. Uh, 
but as an actor, actively portraying her, I find a lot of interest in physicalizing the shadow parts of herself. She has wants and needs, and her way of accessing what she wants is through this dark curse. And this curse is bigger than her, and for her to commit these actions, she must call upon the darkest parts of herself and the darkest parts of hell. If you're interested in more about archetypes, um, if you don't already know this book, I, this just makes me think of the book, Women Who Run With The Wolves uh, by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And I love this quote that she says. She says, even the most captured woman guards the place of the wildest self, for she knows intuitively that someday there will be a loophole, an aperture, a chance, and she will hightail it to escape. And also this, even the most repressed woman has a secret life with secret thoughts and secret feelings which are lush and wild. So I've just been thinking about those things um, in playing and researching this character. I would also like to add, though, that in the book, Clarissa clarifies that when she uses wild in um, wild woman archetype, which is what she explores in the book, Women Who Run With The Wolves, she doesn't mean wild as in out of control. She means to live a natural life as a creature with innate integrity and healthy boundaries. Well, clearly Our Lady Macbeth has not found healthy boundaries yet, <laughs> but her secret life, secret thoughts are indeed vivid. And this opportunity is the loophole which she has found to execute her desires. Back in Shakespeare's time, the standards for deeming someone a witch were very low, as witches were anyone who lived an unconventional lifestyle, like living away from society, invoking spirits, etc. Considering she calls upon dark magic to influence Macbeth's fate, would you consider Lady Macbeth a witch? Oh gosh, yes. I mean, as you noted, the word witch has and can be used in a pejorative way. But... um also, I would just like to add that the word witch was derived from wit, meaning wise, and this was given both to young and old women healers. <laughs> I don't know if Lady Macbeth considers herself to be a witch. Actually, this is something that I'm still playing with, and I don't think I will know this in my bones until I've had a full run of playing with multiple entryways into the curse and through conversations and experiments with Melissa, who's our director. Um, but if we were to continue to think about our character in Shadow, I think she turns to dark magic to get what she wants. If that makes her a witch, okay, then she's a witch. In only this moment, in all moments, we are still defining these things. Um, I think what's also interesting is that we 
played with this curse being the first time she has ever cursed, which is definitely an exciting choice. And do you believe in magic or some kind of faith in the supernatural? How do you use it in your own way? Do you have any experience with invoking magic or incantations like Lady Macbeth does in her famous monologue in Act 1, Scene 5? I think I am my most magical when I am on stage. Acting is magic to me, and I mean that because I get to envision things beyond me. And even when the character is a shade of myself that is not what I would want to bring into my day-to-day life, I get to actively perform light parts and shadow parts of myself on stage. And that is absolutely necessary and life-asserting for me. And that is something that, (laughs) that gives my spirit health. And to me, that is magical because the words become ritual. The movement becomes ritual. And ultimately, you get to share expression live with a group of people that will most likely all never be in the same room again. The moment and the ritual lasts when it lasts, and then it's over, and then we begin it again. I have grown to learn that I am parts of all my characters and, or, or maybe they are all parts of me, the light and the dark. And it can become very complicated as a human because since I began acting, I can imagine why everyone does what they do, even the worst of people. Yes, of course there are rituals that I do on my own. Um, I have a deck of archetype cards. The deck was first introduced to me by my acting teacher. Um, And these archetype cards are by Carolyn Miss. And I do everything with these cards. (laughs) I pull them when I write. They are great for character building. And I've been doing this thing Uh, for the past three years where I pull three cards right before the show in my dressing room and those three archetypes are kind of what I think of right before I go on stage and so it's really great to just kind of like have those things um, to hold with me while I'm acting that night. Um, I also love uh, and believe in objects charged with intention so like having a stone or a crystal or a trinket and having that with you. Um, And for me, I just find that these are helpful because it is something physicalized that I can hold energy in and with. And lastly, I just want to say that I think curses are incredible. Um, I have definitely done my fair share of curses, especially as a young woman, when... um, I know my feminine power was all sorts of messed up and I didn't harness the energy that I needed to have a balance in my life. But um, doing any curse in Shakespeare is a feast, is amazing. uh, Because I think those those are things that we all actively want to say out loud. And uh, it is, I think, 
a safe and healthy way to say those things out loud. Um, and I've had a blast trying to figure out entryways into this curse. And I look forward to continuing that journey of what it means to say this dark curse out loud. Thank you to Melissa and Kalyan for taking the time out of your day to record these amazing responses. And now, a speech from Lady Macbeth herself, Kalyan Ung. Come, you spirits that tend on mortal thoughts, unsex me here and fill me from the crown to the toe top full of direst cruelty make thick my blood stop up the access and passage to remorse that no compunctious visitings of nature shake my fell purpose nor keep peace between the effect and it come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall you murdering Wherever in your sightless substances you wait on nature's mischief, come thick night and pall me in the dullest smoke of hell, that my keen knife see not the wound it makes, nor heaven peep through the blanket of the dark to cry, hold, hold. Thank you, Kalyan, for that amazing reading, and thank you for agreeing to be a part of this episode. It was really great to have you. A special thank you to our ISC friends and family who are essential workers. Nurses, doctors, delivery folks, those in grocery stores. None of this could be done without you, and we're so grateful. We stand by you, we support you, and we fight with you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Artbreak. And please remember, be socially distant, not emotionally. <laughs>